if we had the group of allies standing on stage, everybody in the audience could look up and see someone that reflected them and reflected their thoughts, their generation, their experience, their culture, um, so that they truly saw a group of allies. Hey everyone, and welcome to C-Network, the podcast. It's the podcast where we highlight diversity and inclusion professionals and the work they're doing to help their fellow employees feel seen at work. I'm Natalia Eileen. I help businesses build more diverse, more inclusive workplaces. And today I'm excited to bring to you a conversation I had with a fellow diversity and inclusion professional, Tina Gilbert. Tina is currently the Senior Director of Inclusion and Diversity at Accolade, a healthcare technology company. Prior to Accolade, Tina was the first L&D leader at Teva Pharmaceuticals, where she led the organization's evolution from diversity compliance management to recognizing its value as a business imperative. You can read her full bio on our website at cnetwork.com podcast. During our time together, Tina and I talked extensively about a program she has put together with her team. It's an allyship program. She spoke about the tactical, practical ways that she thought through this program. She talks about her best practices as she developed this program, and we reflected on how important it is to have a program like an allyship program in this moment in particular. I hope this episode is as useful to you as it was to me and my own practice. Enjoy. Okay, we're here with Tina Gilbert. Hi, Tina, how are you? I'm doing fine. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's good to have you on. Um, You know, it's been a long day. We're talking on a Friday today, so I hope you have some restful plans for the weekend. I am certainly working on it. Um, Yes. (laughs) Well, I'd love for you to start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, So I uh, definitely declare myself as an inclusion and diversity, and actually say navigator, not practitioner, um, with the concept of it's my role to help navigate those um, who have the broader organizational responsibilities through this difficult and complex discussion around diversity, inclusion, equity, and belonging. Um, I have focused on this area over the last five or six years full-time as it relates to solving it for organizations who are starting from scratch, so just beginning their inclusion and diversity journey. Um, how I got into it was I've always kind of worked in that this space in terms of informal roles, um, but what had really kind of lit the spark underneath me was the connection to what I just consider one of my core competencies, um, strategic problem solving. Um, I started out in college as an engineering major industrial engineering specifically, and that particular discipline is kind of the intersection between engineering and business. And coming out of um, undergraduate, I went to work uh, for Procter & Gamble um, in their kind of one of their first evolutions of a technical support group. So again, helping others solve problems was kind of that connection point for me. A little while into that career, started wanting to strengthen kind of my business acumen. So I pivoted from um, engineering 
um, at Procter & Gamble, came back and went to the University of Pennsylvania, Wharton, um, and got my MBA. And there I discovered management consulting and really was drawn to this as a profession, given the opportunity to once again, problem solve solve problems across different industries uh, and different functions and really have a chance to see um, and understand different approaches to problem solving. Um, I actually was um, with Accenture for 15 years um, and as a partner I was basically the executive sponsor for our inclusion and diversity programs um, for our management consulting teams across North America. Really loving the work and really just got to the point where I wanted to pivot and do it full time. Had a great opportunity to go work for Teva Pharmaceuticals to lead their inclusion and diversity efforts. Again, starting it from scratch, helping build it up um, and understand what was needed both um, from a North American standpoint and eventually start to look at from a global standpoint. I now have the great opportunity to work on the technology side. So working um, at a company called Accolade, we are a healthcare navigation um, organization, and it's really our role to help our members, um, again, navigate, but this time navigate healthcare systems, their insurance benefits, all the programs that are part of them. And so it's my role, once again, to help drive the IND strategy and understand what's really needed to create inclusive cultures and sustain diverse workforces. Thank you for that comprehensive overview of your background. I love that the thread of problem solving seems to carry through the whole thing. And, and I also love, I, I don't know that, that many people, maybe outside of, of diversity and inclusion work, recognize how deeply rooted this is in that skill set in problem solving right a lot of this really comes from that yes problem solving being able to influence others breaking down complex problems right because this is something as we know from societal doesn't have an easy solution and so being able to create those frameworks to really find where you can make change and impact when the problem seems so large yeah well, I think that's a good um, kind of way into the initiative or the program that you might want to highlight because it sounds like we're dealing with all of these complex problems, but as practitioners, we have to find a way to chip away at those, right, and, and solve them. So um, obviously it's a work in progress, but I'd love to hear anything about a particular program or initiative you might want to highlight with us. Yeah, so we're rolling out something right now and it's very relevant given what the conversation, the messages that are going on um, in the broader community right now. And it's um, grounded in allyship. Um, and it's really interesting because when you really first started hearing about allies, um, it was connected with the LBGTQ movement. And this is also Pride Month. So this was already on our 2020 IND agenda for my organization. Um, we were wanting to launch an allied program at the beginning of June. Um, we already had one, but it was very focused on kind of reactive one-on-one -on -one support for employees that needed kind of a sounding board. And so it was really allyship as it relates to um, individuals and helping them through their specific um, ideas. Mm -hmm. Over time, we had lost allies, but hadn't like re rebuilt up the program. And so in an effort to rebuild, um, build up the number of allies, we start looking at 
what else could we add to their kind of skill set that would really help support our inclusive culture agenda? And we thought about things like peer counseling, facilitating teams, also doing things as such as helping to explain some of the language around inclusion and diversity. We know a lot of times um, arguments and misunderstanding um, just get started if someone references words like uh, white privilege or cultural misappropriation. Um, and so we wanted people outside of our little IND team to have an understanding about some of those terms. So starting in February, we started working on how we would onboard our allies, how we would want them to build up this culture within the organization, and what type of things we wanted them to be proactive for in the community to be able to build out um, this capability. We also want to make sure that as we bring allies in, we are representing the diversity that is within our workforce, right? That it's almost like I, I would say, well, if we had the group of allies standing on stage, everybody in the audience could look up and see someone that reflected them and reflected their thoughts, their generation, their experience, their culture, um, so that they truly saw a group of allies. So really excited. Um, Two weeks ago, when uh, things first started to um, kind of um, escalate as it relates to um, the death of George Floyd, um, the incident in Central Park, we were trying. People were trying to figure out what are we going to do. And I was so happy to be able, like, we are ready. We are locked and loaded um, to roll this program out. We can do some specific messages, acknowledge the feelings that is going on within. The African American community, community broadly, but specifically for our employees, we can start giving some coaching and advice to our people managers so they know how to deal with this. But overall, let's recruit and be ready um, around the allies because it really is aligned with many people who are saying, I'm here, I'm on board, what do you need me to do? And this is in essence the program that will allow them to do things at least within the organization. Right. I have so many thoughts um, about this that I'm excited to hear. I'm, I'm excited to dig into with you. Um, first off, you said you've been thinking about this since February, which is awesome that you've already been getting the ball rolling. I'd love to hear what was it that really got your team galvanized around this idea of this program? Um, I think a lot of it came from just listening broadly to what some best practices were in inclusion and diversity. I think what you heard around within the, two, the, the 2019 year was, okay, we've been doing a lot of inclusion and diversity work, but really are we making a difference? Are we making an impact? Um, we also started hearing a lot just broadly around learning around the importance of storytelling and sharing stories. Um, and then finally, when you saw kind of individual transformation, um, nine times out of 10, those stories were connected with um, hearing, um, getting support from others um, and hearing others' stories. And so we kind of pulled all that together. And, you know, quietly, as I said, you start to see this thread of ally and allyship um, kind of beginning to surface. Um, the mere fact that the concept of allies was moving beyond just the LBGTQ community. Um, I hadn't heard it, 
um, used in other areas of diversity and inclusion um, until last year. And so kind of really being comfortable with this word and the notion um, was something that was starting to hear externally. And when you put together the pieces of where change was happening, it was rooted in concepts of allyship. Mm -hmm. um, so digging into the program itself, it sounds like you did a great job of finding people who are representative of the company and the workforce at large. What else kind of, if you're able to dig into the, the pillars or the main areas of the program, what else does the program do or will it do? Yeah, so I think there's there's two three stakeholders we were thinking about. Um, one was the actual ally. Um, I think when organizations are looking at opportunities and ways to develop leadership skills and non-leaders, um, we found this to be to feed nicely into that. And so we're really focused on um, the readiness of individuals to become um, as allies but not only in this individual role, but thinking of what that, how that bends into inclusive leadership and getting their broader leadership skills ready. And so we definitely see this as a growth opportunity for our allies. We see this something we wanna gear our um, high potentials to. Many programs in the past around diversity and inclusion, quite frankly, relied on people of color to drive it. It was almost like we, we were desperate for the solution, so we're going to put our hats in and, and help solve it. Um, and this is a way by really focusing on um, our future leaders to truly have a more inclusive look at um, our ally population. The second was um, obviously the people within the organization, right? So the value of having that sounding board, having that peer advisor, um, being able to ask questions without judgment, those were things that we really wanted to um, kind of tap into for our broader population. And then the second piece, third piece was our actually new leaders. There is so much expected of new people leaders, just in terms of the functional responsibilities of being a manager, let alone the soft skills that we're looking to develop. And so a lot of times within the IND world, there's this concept of frozen middle, where mm -hmm. you have all the support and championing from the top, all this interest and desire at the grassroots level, but get stuck in the middle. And what we saw the allies do, or the allies being able to do, is provide resourcing for that middle to help in essence, unfreeze them <laughs> um, and allow them to have, to bring these conversations to their teams, but not necessarily feel that they have to be experts in it. Um, one sidebar is today I just did a safe space discussion with um, a group of our um, leaders that we call stewards. And they're in essence, the people who manage our, our first line um, operators. And they were so excited about the pro, about the conversation and how I was facilitating it with them. But at the same time, they were so nervous if we were expecting them to be able to do this. If we were expecting them on top of managing their teams and their business and the day-to-day -day operations, were they going to, quote, over the weekend, be ready to facilitate these conversations. Of course, I set the expectations that I'm not. I, we were going through the exercise so that they would um, know what to expect. Um, but again, the allies would be there as a way of providing that resource so initiatives don't get stuck, 
but there's a release valve for our managers where they don't feel responsible to do everything. But there will be expectation over time that they do gain the skills and they understand how to do it. We're just not making it a requirement in this crisis situation. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that last bit because this frozen middle concept is something I hear about a lot, um, as it seems you have as well and have experienced as well. And there's always that question about the tension perhaps between how do we hold middle managers accountable to having these conversations while also recognizing that, um, you know, they have their job and they might feel that there's a push and pull between those two. And so how do you make sure that people recognize that this is part of their job and make it sustainable for them to do both, right? It's, a, it's an interesting tension, and I don't know if you want to say any more about that. I just want to um, reiterate kind of the last part, right? So while we're going to help and kind of co-facilitate, um, there is an expectation that, we that you will develop these skills over time, that this isn't kind of a unique one-off. Um, we have a concept called leadership commitments, and one of the leadership commitments is around inclusive um, leadership. And with inclusive leadership, building and maintaining um, inclusive environments, as well as um, hiring and growing diverse workforces. So there's still a commitment on the uh, manager side. Mm -hmm. Where I see the role of inclusion and diversity is to find ways to help, in essence, accelerate um, those commitments into the organizations and support the leaders. Many of the leaders, especially now in this time and moment, want to um, bring this to their teams. And so let's make sure we're there with the tools um, for their teams, but also so that they can carry it forward. Right. No, and I think that's a great point. Many of them now especially want to. So how do we bridge that gap? And it sounds like this ally program is a big part of it because I imagine some of the middle managers or people leaders broadly within your organization are going to be in the ally program, right? So we actually have separated the ally program from what traditionally have been called um, diversity inclusion councils and those type of things. So we specifically have this, while they can be at different levels of the organization, they don't have direct report. So it's really a growth opportunity for individual contributors to start developing those skills. So as they we look at them for future people leadership, right, we've already said this, this person's strong in this area. We do have some other work that we're doing for current um, managers, director levels around um, advisory teams where um, we leverage them to help figure out what other in inclusion and diversity initiatives should we be working on, right? So again, they're our customers to make sure they don't get frozen in the middle. What are other things beyond the ally program that they could use that could help them? Um, we are specifically launching two um, advisory councils, one that's focused on um, innovation. Um, and so how we think about diversity drives innovation. And so what are the things that we need to be doing to really make that um, statement come to life? Mm -hmm. And then the second is diversity in our client facing um, side. So as we think about solutions and how we service our clients, there's a diverse group that we're serving. And so what's the importance of diversity for that group? Got it. And, and I like that distinction, especially if you can make the programming that you do with your 
with your ally programs really targeted toward those high potential future leaders? Yeah, and I think um, for both the ally program, working with our individuals and the councils thinking about strategically how we want to make business impact, that's how you kind of bring together both the talent side um, and the business side. So one thing that I always like to try to highlight for people is um, maybe best practices or considerations for replicability. So for people who are interested in, in this kind of program, who are listening and are thinking, huh, we, we can do something like that. Do you have any kind of um, learnings that you've already gained or some best practices that you think you've implemented that will really serve the program well? Sure, I, I think a couple things come to mind. First is, because um, even this concept of ally, right, I pulled it from others' best practices, but I thought a lot about my organization culture and what would work within my culture. So like anything else, be very mindful of the culture. I also had to think about our size, location, and our workforce dynamics, um, and really be sure that how the program would work from an operational standpoint could work equitably for allies, whether they were coming from a technology team, a customer service team, a support team, to make sure that there was equity in the role, um, but that this role, because this is a, in addition to, right? This is, this is something that people are doing on top of. And so we really want to think through at the activity level, um, how the activities of being an ally could be varied um, based on someone's position within the organization, right? Mm -hmm. So everything from a, how an hourly worker could actually, you know, how that would work, what, what time, how they would mark their time and those type of things. So, and anyone looking to design, design that, think of the culture, Think of the workforces that you're pulling from and making sure you're designing a program where, in essence, all allies are created equal. Um, and then the final thing, uh, which is with every IND program, you not need to get alignment at the top and identify your champions and those that are going to say to the organization, this is important, have your people apply, um, give them the time that they need, um, those who are selected to do this, so making sure you get that uh, alignment from the top. Um, and again, we had the benefit of uh, our CEO coming to us and saying, I'm gonna put a statement together, what should I include in it? And we being able to serve this up, recognizing that doesn't happen uh, in most circumstances, um, where, but be proactive, make sure you have that alignment um, before you go deep. Because even when you get into that design phase, you wanna make sure uh, you have the leadership support because some things are going to need to be adjusted um, and again to create that equity. That's great. No, and I, I appreciate all of those points and especially the second one where you're highlighting that people's roles are different, people's team structures are different, and if you're going to implement this firm-wide or company-wide, you need to be thinking about all of those different aspects of their job. And um, to the extent that you're willing to share, is this something that you see potentially in the future being part of what you do include as someone's job or what you do include in their performance report, for example, so that it's not necessarily on top of or aside from? 
So one thing we did do is we made sure that their contribution is um, tracked and that it is part of their end of year contribution. So even though it is extracurricular, voluntary, all those things that we do um, within our organizations to build um, skills and capability, the work will the contribution will still be um, noted. Um, in terms of do, would we have full-time allies? Wow, that, that gets to an amazing place. But I also think this particular role for allies, is there's a part of understanding, you know, what's going on and what you do, right? And so having people that are doing the jobs that are in there, in the trenches with you, um, and you're going to them knowing you're going to get some, some support. I always think there's um, benefit to that. So, yeah, I could see things like peer advisors and facilitation being full-time roles. But the concept of an ally is really there to provide that one-on-one -on -one connectivity um, and build relationships so that the sense of belonging that's important as well as the inclusive culture is really just woven into the culture of our organization and not this standalone activity. Yeah, no, thank you for outlining that. I'm sure, you know, some people are always thinking about how to integrate DE and I into every aspect of their their company and sometimes the challenge also is that that same tension we were talking about with the middle managers, right? Yep. And I often say we, and there's plenty to show most of the time, right, that falls on the people of color um, or from a, a women's and gender balance perspective. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I was, we were really focused on making sure that we truly have a diverse set of people and that people, and those people are being recognized for the contribution because it is, it's, it's work and it's hard work. Right. No, definitely. And this might speak to uh, my next question, which is about the challenges that you may have encountered or that you anticipate encountering, because I know this is a, an ongoing initiative. Um, but yeah, what, what challenges or roadblocks, even early on when you first decided to do this, is there anything that, that you can share that? Yeah, the one that comes to mind and what it, it was basically just something you had to work through was when we started talking about individuals doing coaching and giving feedback, right? You start thinking about, well, what's the, how's that different from their manager or worse? How's that different from their HR business partner? And so we really had to think through those guardrails associated with what this ally will do versus what are the types of conversations you still need to have with your manager versus what are the types of problems and situations you still need to bring to your HR business partners? Mm -hmm. um, and so the um, racy chart, <laughs> but that it is very important to kind of think through to make sure that there's a space you're filling, um, but you're not kind of going in a lane that's not yours, um, especially from an ally position, because we also had to be careful of this is about an individual's um, connection with you. They're not the voice of the company, right? So they're not making a statement on behalf of the organization or a promise. Uh, and so those are things that you really have to be careful for. You have to think about in terms of your training um, and your alignment across um, your human resources organization, because they'll help support that as well. So I think that was a design not barrier, but thing we really had to focus on and make sure we were clear on um, as we moved into um, 
are, are outlined. Because there's some things, you know, you, you get into discrimination and harassment laws, and you don't want to take those things lightly. Right. Do you, um, have you or do you anticipate running into challenges as well with um, the training that is involved in having these conversations or in helping people navigate that as they're actually in the midst of it. I think it's one thing in theory, it's another thing in practice. Um, and if you have anticipated that or have encountered that, do you have anything in place to mitigate that if it comes up? Yeah, so one of the things, as you said, um, while we plan to launch this in June, we had no idea of the environment we were launching into. Um, simply just give it, we were talking about this offline, just looking at our training to say, at what points are we using words like diversity, inclusion, equity, and what places are we using words such as race and racism? Mm -hmm. um, and being really mindful of kind of some of the language that we're using in our training in the context of today and making sure we are um, just pr providing the appropriate amount of pressure um, and focus, both in terms of their readiness as well as the types of responses. Um, and so those are that's probably the rework that's going on a little bit now is on those scenarios so that they can be truly relevant. I think um, we were taking, you know, just a different approach a, a couple um, months ago than we are now. And so we want to make sure that um, while we're on time, we're still relevant. Right. And it sounds like for you all, for your team, it's really given you a little bit of a renewed energy around this. And I mean, I hope you don't mind me saying, because I'm just feeling that. Um, but it also, I hope, is giving your allies the same, the same kind of sense that this is an important job that they've signed up for or that they will sign up for, right? Definitely. Yeah, the, the, there is a feeling of um, anticipation um, to get into these topics. And, you know, there was a little bit of our joking, like, okay, we're going to knock on doors and make sure we can, you know, get in, get in meetings, getting, get to the right people. And now it's like, nope, all the doors are open. We just need to be ready to walk right in. So um, from that standpoint, it's like, ooh, <laughs> they're ready for us. They have opened the doors. And so um, that part, I think, um, has everyone just uh, raring to go. That's great. Um, transitioning into uh, what we've spoken about, the different aspects of this program. We've spoken about the different challenges you may be encountering or maybe will encounter in the future. I wonder if broadly you have any advice for people either officially in this work like yourself or who are advocates or even newly advocates, right? Who are just now waking up to this and deciding I need to be doing more within my company. Do you have any advice for us? them yeah <laughs> um, so I've been calling them the awakening allies um, so in general I think when I even look at our own roadmap um, we've always been grounded in the concept of helping people talk about this first giving them the language even modeling conversations right because we haven't talked about it and where we have it's you know on Facebook on social media where people are just fussing at each other um, and so we're, we're thinking about how do we provide the language and how do we model the conversation so they can be constructive. 
And so those that are um, wanting to do something in the organization, I would say, you know, help, help with that part, help people find out how do you constructively talk about it. Um, for those that are um, looking um, and, and newly awakening, uh, there is so much out there. People are like, well, what book should I read? What the? And I'm like, you can literally just Google like three letters and a thousand things will pop up. So this stuff isn't hidden, right? This stuff is not, whether it's the pureness of diversity, inclusion, and belonging from a corporate standpoint to the social justice issues and concerns that have caused the recent events to the overall study of the systemic um, nature of race and racism. Like all those topics have been researched, written upon, podcasted, recorded, videos, <laughs> and culture. And so it is a ton of stuff out there. So what I would tell people is say, um, and I, you know, mother of a teenager, teenagers, I say, you know, pick your lane, right? Think about what you're already astute in and think about how do you apply the lens of diversity and inclusion across that. So what do I mean? If you're in healthcare, look at the disparities in health, right? There's so much there. And if that's where your area of expertise is, that's where we will look for you to help find solutions and truly be an ally. If you're in finance, there is so much about the inequities of income and property man ownership and wealth generation. Look in there. If you are in fashion, sports, medical, you can go every industry. This is not a just a problem. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, if you're part of the social of the justice um, and government, there's some immediate actions that broadly we're, we're hoping people will do around policing and governing of black bodies. Uh, but overall, every aspect, I even remember, I mean, I, I, we laugh, right? The, the issue in Central Park showed there's literally prejudice and bird watching, right? And so if that's where your lane is, let's figure out what you can do um, in that space. Um, and so for the, the newly awakenings, I would say you're about to enter a very complex issue and problem. There's so much out there to learn and understand. Pick the area where you're already passionate about and just apply the filter of inclusion and diversity to become an ally in that space. Thank you for that. I think you highlight what, what, what those of us who have been steeped in this um, conversation know, which is that there is so much to it. It's so complex. It's so multi-layered. And there's so much that we can all be doing um, in our own lanes, as you say, to, to make a change. Yeah, and connect it with your passion. I mean, that's that's what they say on anything, right, in life around how you really make progress and how you bring the best. And so from education to um, bird watching. <laughs> um, do you have any specific advice for, for diversity and inclusion professionals? I think that was so targeted and maybe even enough for all of us, you know, to be passionate <laughs> well, about I will say, just say true to your passion. Um, where I think your the next thing is going to be is there's a generation that this is impacting. And I, once again, I'll, I'll reference my daughters. Um, they are between what, five and 10 years 
from being in um, the workforce. And so for you all that are new to this profession, start thinking about what are the policies, what are the practices, what's the work environment that this group of young individuals are going to expect and demand as a part of uh, the employment contract. Mm. Uh, and really start thinking, we talk about generational and five generations in the workforce, and there's been so much focus on the, the millennials. Um, I call them the iGens. I know they're, they're different names, but I always like that one. This iGen, uh, this is going to be one of their defining moments. This 2020 between COVID, their virtual milestones, and now the social justice revolution, this is going to dictate how they work in the future. And so I would look to the young IND um, practitioners to keep an eye on them because um, us old folks, <laughs> we're going to need your help in uh, creating some programs um, and some platforms for them um, to feel included. Awesome. Well, Tina, this was a great discussion. I'm, I'm very grateful to you for your time and for your um, problem-solving skill set on the fly and here live with us. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for inviting me. I, I really have enjoyed our conversation, and I wish you good luck and continued success. Thank you. Take care.